Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hello and a very warm welcome to the last podcast of this season, pod number 40. We've got through a truckload this season, ladies. Myself, Kate Borsay, joined by Lindsay Hooper. Hello for a final time this season. And Hayley McQueen. Hello. (laughs) Both pretty exhausted, it has to be said. None of us have got any makeup on. All of us have got slightly sort of bluey, blacky coloured eyes. It's that point in the season. It's the hangover time, isn't it? When you, of course, celebrate success like Leicester. Quite a few end of season parties as well. And we are going to analyse what's happened in the league and our predictions. That's going to be a big part of this podcast, looking back on what we've predicted. Thanks very much to Continental Tyres who've supported us this season, getting you to the game safely. And don't forget, guys, you can find out a lot more about us in the off-season as well as covering some of the Euros as well this year on OffsideRulePodcast.com and on Twitter at OffsideRulePod and our Facebook page, The Offside Rule as well. So whether it feels like an anti-climax, whether it feels exciting, whether we're looking forward to going away, we're going to digest the season. Hindsight's a wonderful <laughs> thing and look at what we said was going to happen this season and what actually happened. So this is the time to possibly scrape the egg off the face or pick up the trophy from the trophy shelf or the crystal ball, should that be. Um, Standout games as well. Let's review the season by picking out some of our favourite games. We're also going to be checking in with our debutante fantasy football team, New Boys FC. Just a quick hint, one of the players no longer plays in the Premier League. That's how well we did. We basically set up a team of debutantes at the beginning of the season, pod number one, if you want to go back and verify this. And we're going to be looking at who picked what players and uh, the varied amounts of success that we had. And finally, we're going to be picking out stories that we perhaps didn't hear about at the time. Ones that may have been forgotten. One such story that won't be forgotten is that security firm and that gentleman in particular that left the practice bomb device on the back of an Old Trafford toilet door. Can you believe that's how the season ended? It was a rather bizarre season in terms of the ending, in terms of Leicester finishing 10 points clear, in terms of that bizarre training device that had been left there for days. We had one of our team actually, in fact, we had two of our team in the stadium. One of them works for Bournemouth, so we were getting the inside track from her as to what was happening. And then one of our social media team was in the crowds at Old Trafford as well. So yeah, I'm glad everyone's okay, but it's the kind of thing that perhaps shouldn't have happened really. They did the right thing, but we should maybe start the new season in light of this with have you ever done anything that's had catastrophic circumstances (laughs) basically caused a whole match to be rescheduled yeah the millions of pounds as well that that has cost apparently over three million pounds was lost just because of somebody's mistake so girls off the top of your head can you think of the worst thing you've done and the the consequences (laughs) it's had can I tell you something that happened to me this season this went under the radar so I'll give you a quick quick little preview I was sent by Reuters to West Ham and I was going to do a piece on last season at the bowling ground this is a couple of months ago now so I went down to Upton Park went down to the stadium and in my bag I had my makeup which as us reporters know you, you know you have a little pack of makeup you have a hairbrush and hairspray and I don't know quite how this happened But after I did my report, I picked up my bag and the seat in the dugout at West Ham that my bag was resting on was wet and sticky. And I was like, 
what on earth happened here? The whole can of hairspray had leaked through my leather bag and all over the seat at Upton Park. So it's a good job that West Ham have moved. I am really sorry if there's a really sticky, ruined seat still in the dugout. They were going to auction them off, weren't they? For charity. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> One fan's taken that home and now can't move. <laughs> but I, just, I, I absolutely panicked because there are, of course, security wandering around the place. Everyone's being very vigilant. Everyone's watching what everyone's doing at this level last few months at Upton Park and I had to really quickly try and find some old coffee shop serviettes in my bag, wet them with some water and wipe down the seats. But of course it's hairspray, it's sticky, it didn't work. I think the worst thing I've done, I don't think I've had a knock-on of causing financial distress for anybody, I hope not. I mean maybe, we don't know when we just look into our, our archives of our brain for a second, but I do remember when I was working in radio, I inconvenienced a few engineers in the middle of the night. I lent my head against the microphone doing an overnight radio show and thought I'll just close my eyes for a millisecond and 12 seconds later it was definitely over 12 seconds because the emergency disc had started (laughs) and I'd obviously dropped off and I thought oh no I don't want to get in trouble I don't want to lose my job what do I do so quick thinking at four in the morning because I know that an engineer's on his way out being called (laughs) in the middle of the night to come and see what's going on our passes used to operate getting into the studio but also going to the toilet but you needed to take your pass with you so I walked out and threw my pass in and said I forgot my pass (laughs) you're terrible terrible Mario that's brilliant I can't think of it I've probably got so many that I just can't go into it hi I'm Paul Merson and you're listening to the Offside Rule podcast all right well I'm sure there'll be more anecdotes coming out throughout this podcast let's rewind to that podcast number one of the season and Lindsay you're going to tell us Who we thought would come where. Now, we did one lot on pod number one. We did one lot in November Mm -hmm. and the next lot in December. So tell us, what did we say and how badly did we get it wrong? So podcast numero uno, we're going way back now to the very first Premier League week. And what I'll say is, first of all, no surprises that when we predicted our top four, none of us had Leicester City in the top four. I I don't think that's going to come as any shock to anybody. If there's anyone out there, any pundit, any journalist who predicted Leicester City to even be in the top four, I would be astonished, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's just ridiculous. But what I am going to say, Hayley McQueen, is that you do redeem yourself later on in November and December, okay? But for this one, I'm going to give you a bit of stick. (laughs) Relegation. You did not get one of the relegated teams flipping it I had Sunderland going down yeah, didn't I because I was like there's too many lives too many lives well actually Sunderland's the closest you came oh. <laughs> would you like to know who you put in the bottom three oh West Ham Ooh. you said not a deep squad and Bilic doesn't know the current Premier League flipping oh. it and I love him now he's great <laughs> Uh, Watford, which I suppose isn't a surprise, but you said you don't see any gamble in the players that have signed paying off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Sunderland, always hang on by the skin of their teeth, which is what they did again, never learn their lesson. I wonder if they will for next season. They learned their lesson a bit too late and brought in the man to try and save them a yeah. little bit too late, though, didn't they? Yeah, that is, those are terrible predictions. <laughs> One thing that you did do, though, in your top four is you were the only one out of the three of us that didn't go for Chelsea retaining the title. And, of course, I think with Chelsea's wheels firmly 
coming off this season, you do get an extra point for saying Manchester City would win the league rather than Chelsea. Um, you had Chelsea in second, Man United in third and Arsenal in fourth. Kate Borsay, as I've just revealed, you had Chelsea to win the league, Man City in second, Arsenal in third and Man United in fourth. So none of us, I can tell you I didn't either, had Spurs to be up there either. Your relegation, you got Nor- Norwich City right. You said they're not doing enough. You also put Sunderland in and Watford. I suppose I can understand why you went for, yeah. for those teams. Top four, I went for Chelsea, Man City, Man United, Arsenal. We all sort yeah. of went for the same teams, but in different orders. I said Sunderland would finish 18th. I did it again. I did exactly what you said. I said, they hang on every year. I should have just gone with they hang on every year. I had Norwich and Bournemouth I'd put in there. I said, it's a bit too much of an ask. So only Kate and I had one right. And I suppose we give you a point for having City at the top rather than Chelsea. So it's all even on first pod of the season. Thank God we're not professional pundits. So I'm going to move on then to November. And Mina Rizuki was on this podcast. So Hayley, you can just stay out of the limelight for a second. You won't get any flack for this little bit. And we did a top fortune telling. And we said we'd look at the top four and revisit it. So this is in November. At this point, Mina went with Man City to top the league. Man United in second, Arsenal in third. And she brought Liverpool into fourth. I said City to win, United in second. Where did that come from? Third, Arsenal. I did have Arsenal finishing above Spurs. Arsenal, then Spurs. Mm -hmm. And you had, Kate, City, Arsenal, Spurs, Man United. You actually got Arsenal in runners-up space. You had Spurs in third. I think you win that round. Yes! (laughs) But did it all come off? And did it all go crazy in December? Let's find out. Hayley's back on the pod. And this is our little prediction. In December, this was about Christmas time. And we said, what is going to happen in the final run in the second part of the season and Hayley to quote you you said Watford's bubble will burst Ooh. you said can Leicester keep it up Sunderland are going to drop into the relegation zone which they okay. did yeah they did uh, you said Leicester City had a tough run in over Christmas and Liverpool slash Arsenal I'm going to take that as an or Arsenal could do a job over them and Arsenal did yeah, they yeah. did didn't they oh. I think you did the best, actually, out of these. Kate said Watford could become a Christmas turkey. Yes, very much so. You said about the tough fixtures they got. You said you don't think Leicester will have much of a wobble. Oh, I was right then on that. To be fair, they did have a wobble over Christmas, didn't they? Or was it early January when um, Vardy was injured? So perhaps I was wrong in the short term, right in the long term. I think you you were vague. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you were right. The one thing that you said that wasn't spot on is you said Arsenal to have the most success. I know, I know, I know. Why did I you can that? understand why why you did. I went one step further than that. I said Arsenal will be top come January. <laughs> Ooh. I think they were top at January at one point. Briefly, yeah. Briefly. I also said Manchester United to be a Christmas turkey. I said Van Gaal had two games to save his job. And I said I thought they'd lose to Stoke and Chelsea. I don't know whether that was right. I can't remember now. Every week Van Gaal has had two games yes, to save his job. And we're at the situation where at the weekend before, of course, the last game of the season, it's two games to save his job, yeah, get that yeah, Champions yeah. League football, that hasn't happened, and then win the FA Cup. Yeah. So just quickly between us, because that's all Manchester United fans are asking me at the moment, is a new manager going, going to come in and who is it? Now, I still think Van Gaal's days are numbered. I don't think the players are playing for him. I think that yeah. they did a big rescue job towards the end of the season. They made the best of what they had. I still don't think he's the right man for that club. 
Well, I've been speaking to a few journos yeah. in the last week mm. and I feel there's been a real shift. So many journos now and it's as if they know something from the papers mm. have said to me that they think he's going to get one more year. I said that a little while ago and everyone laughed at me and I tweeted it. I think Ed Woodward's going to give him a shot. But Mourinho will wait. He's been waiting for... PSG, though. Are you sure that that isn't just a decoy from Manchester United to take the attention away yeah. from Mourinho? Because they can't have enjoyed such strong links between Mourinho and them. And it was and it's distracting I for know. the players because it's like the current manager's already gone. It's, it, it's Man United style, isn't it? To kind of sweep in, clear up, clear out, and then perhaps bring in the new manager. And it's very clever as well from Mendes, his agent, who, of course, is linking him to yeah, anyone and everyone, everyone apart from Man United to make Man United worry. Oh, we're going to miss out on him. And, of course, David De Gea, who's been so important to Man United, winning player of the year for the last three seasons mm. done it again this year decided to stay with the team he's a hero amongst fans they always vote him as their player of the season has come out and said apparently he would consider staying at Manchester United if Mourinho comes in as manager but he would have to think about his future potentially moving elsewhere if Van Hal stays he has the same agent yeah. as Jose Mourinho. Well, planting another Games. seed of thought for one second, the uh, the nice little lunch gathering between Sir Alex Ferguson and Mauricio Pochettino. Yes, Pochettino has extended his current contract. It just means that the fee that would have to be paid, the get-out clause, will be higher. But was there a conversation there of, give us a year, let Van Gaal finish his contract, and then we'll revisit this? Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. So, as we're on the subject of the Premier League, let's talk about standout games or your favourite games of the season. This may be for odd, bizarre reasons, an animal on the pitch, a player uh, falling over. It could be because it was a standout moment in a team season. Who knows? Hayley, let's go to you. I was kind of worried we'd all maybe have one of the same games. It was the first game that came to my head when I thought about this because I remember at the time, and everybody at the time, the Manchester City-Leicester game oh, because, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, at the beginning of the season, it was all going to be about Manchester City and Leicester didn't stand a chance of doing anything, at least not winning the league. Tenth place, perhaps, would be a huge achievement. But they arrived, of course, in Manchester. This was in February. Still really is a bit of a, a novelty. It was a game that just showed how much much of a team they had in terms of spirit. Their performance was outstanding. Um, unlikely goal scorers as well. You had Hooth popping up uh, with, with a couple of goals. So he was on a hat-trick there and it was a performance full of power and that was the game for me. You thought, wow, hold on a minute. I've gone with exactly the same and for that very reason, all I can add really is I thought that was the game that announced that something yeah. incredible was happening with Leicester in this Premier League campaign and I'll also point out that after that match, they were five points ahead and they never looked back from that game onwards. So I also identified it as perhaps the key one in terms of a spectacle and watching. I'll come back with another one a bit later as to why it was special for me but um, in terms of this Premier League campaign and what has been an extraordinary season for a city that came to life didn't it this week with a parade hundreds of thousands of Leicester City fans packing Leicester we've seen how much it means to the city how much it's meant to the footballing world it's really said actually let's not think that romance is dead footballing romance can go on yeah, that game on the 6th of February, 3-1 to Leicester, did definitely announce their title intentions. We forget, though, that they were top of the league from a lot earlier on in the season. The only thing that I would add is that the dream for me started. So that was, yeah, clear clear title intentions, clear 
in indications that Leicester could do this. But for me and Leicester, that one-all draw against United, Vardy scoring for the 11th successive game was the start of the dream. They'd been really consistent up to that point. They were in and around the top of the table for a lot of the season. But that Vardy's 11th successive goal, that draw against Man United, and then from that point on, they, of course, start winning against the big guns. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I'm going to pick out a game, not Premier League, but involving a Premier League team. How can I not, as a Liverpool fan, pick out Liverpool 4, Dortmund 3, the game that got them into the semi-finals of the Europa League. And why do I love this game? Not just because I'm a Liverpool fan, but because I'm a football romantic. It was one of those infamous European nights at Anfield. And it was a night that, as a Liverpool fan... We didn't expect to see, you know, those magical nights. You've got, I think, Olympiacos in 2004 and then the game against Chelsea in that Champions League run four or so months later on. You know, those are pivotal standout European nights in Anfield. Now, it might not be on quite that level, but the win against Dortmund was an epic night. And I think we didn't expect that so soon from Klopp as well. I have to say a close second for me as well was a Liverpool game. I thought that one was spectacular. But in the Premier League, uh, Norwich City 4, Liverpool 5, Adam Lallana getting the late winner. I thought that was a game that I thoroughly enjoyed watching on the edge of my sofa. There was a drab nil-nil predicted by me for Newcastle United against Manchester United and that finished three on. It was hugely exciting. Yeah. United 2-0 up. Newcastle pulled you know, a goal back yeah. and then another. They went level. Then United went ahead and then Newcastle picked them at the end and, and took points off Manchester United. And that one, I remember predicting, oh, boring, nil-nil. Yeah. No goals in this one. What's your other game, Linz? Well, from a professional point of view, I've been reporting for Final Score for seven seasons and this season, towards the end of the season, I got my first all Premier League game. Now, when you get given an opportunity like that, secretly you're thinking, just please let there be some drama, let something happen. You don't want it to be a nil-nil drab game that you don't get much airtime on. So I got Watford against Villa. 3-2 with two late goals from Watford, Troy Deeney scoring in injury time. And I was on air when two goals had gone in. So I had to to do that. It was really exciting. And I'm just hoping I get to do more of that because obviously I work in the Premier League during the week. I love doing championship games, so I I want to carry on doing some, but it'd be great to do a few more all Premier League ties. The female take on football. Okay, it's time to hear from Sue Smith with an FAWSL update. And in fact, Lindsay and I were at the Women's FA Cup final at the weekend and Sue's going to give us the lowdown on that. Hi everyone, just a short update from me this week as it's just the FA Cup final to report on Arsenal against Chelsea. Going into this game, Chelsea, for me, were clear favourites winning all of their WSL games and scoring 14 goals in four. Just showed... To me, exactly what Chelsea are about. That's they're very solid at the back in a midfield and then really frightening going forward. Arsenal, on the other hand, have been very inconsistent with a change in team and change in formation and they've looked very disjointed at times. I did a piece on BBC News before the the cup final and predicted a 2-1 Chelsea win. Well, just shows exactly what do I know. Arsenal were fantastic from the first minute to the last minute. They pressed, they harried, they made it really difficult for Chelsea to play their football. Defensively, Arsenal were solid. Casey Stoney was excellent. In the middle, they won the battle. Both Farrah Williams and Vicky Lasada were on top form. Kelly Smith showed that she's still one of the best players in the league. And player of the match, which, which I picked, was Dan Carter, And she scored a goal worthy of any occasion. Chelsea didn't perform as how I've seen them perform this season. 
But that has to be credit to how Arsenal stopped them from playing. And I'm sure Chelsea will be disappointed with that. But they do have a lot to play for. They've got lots of quality and, and strength in depth. And I'm sure they'll pick themselves up. And they've got a massive game against Manchester City on Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see how they do there and how they turn things around from the weekend. But I have to say, just finally, congratulations to Arsenal for winning the FA Cup final 1-0. It was fully deserved and well done. Thanks very much to Sue. Let's take a look at New Boys United. Uh, if you missed us at the beginning of the season, folks, we made a team of purely debutante Premier League players with mixed success, ladies. We're quite far down the rankings. In fact, our team has lost value, which you wouldn't expect for a team of debutante players, would you? You'd expect them to perhaps gain value during the season. But I'm going to look at some of the highlights now. So who picked the gems and who picked the howlers? I'm not going to run through the team in full. Uh, you can see it up on our website already. But I'm going to go in reverse reverse order as to the successful picks and then those that weren't so successful. So um, in terms of points earned, in third, Deli Alley in midfield, picked by me, I should mention that. <laughs> and we all pick, actually, all of us pick one really good one. Next up from that, Hayley was one of your picks, Dimitri Payet. In second, 171 points um, for the season. He's been great for West Ham, of course. Um, so well done, Hayley. Who do you think won the top spot? I've got no idea. Igalu. Well Yay. done, well done, Lindsay, because I'll, I will run you through the howlers. That Lindsay had. In a minute. 175 points, Agali for Watford, Lindsay, well done. He is the top player. I might have got the top player, but I definitely got the top dud as well. <laughs> Other highlights, Roberto Firmino, Hayley, you picked him. He was great. He was fourth in terms of points scored. Um, in fifth, we had Matteo Damian. Hayley, well done. That was you as well. Mitrovic in second. I think I must have ushered him in at the last minute because I don't think either of us picked him. Who picked the Howlers? Mm -hmm. Well, I had to make a few last-minute subs because our team didn't quite work out in terms of players for each side. You know, you can only have a certain number of players for each team. The absolute Howler was Miguel Leon, who played for Watford, but he's now playing for Porto. He doesn't even play in the Premier League anymore. <laughs> but next up from that, I'm going to ask you, Lindsay Hooper, to take a bow for Reese Oxford. Very defiant that he must be included. Even even Haley and I said, are you sure? Are we allowed to bypass this one? No, he's in. He's in. I'm afraid he only scored 11 points. Well, what we should do is do this again next season and see how we get on because I thought it was brilliant. It was a great experiment to see how good our eyes were for looking for new players. Uh, maybe Rhys Oxford will come good another season. <laughs> Hang on in there, Linz. I think I think you should let him go. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Tony Cotty from Sky Sports Soccer Saturday. And when I'm not working with Jeff Stelling and the boys, I'm listening to the Offside Rule podcast. Women not know anything about football. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Lastly, let's have a look at which football stories are lurking in the undergrowth. Which football stories have perhaps been missed by the mainstream press or are ones that you never really heard about at the time? There's a few gems in here. Hayley, I'm going to go to you first. I know you two have better stories than me, but mine are actually the ones that have been highlighted throughout the season but would have been more prominent had Leicester City not have grabbed most of the headlines. Mm. I mean, come on. We're forgetting how bad Chelsea are because of how good Leicester City have been. Ninth place and 50 points makes Chelsea's title defence the worst that the Premier League has ever seen. It is that bad. The previous worst was Blackburn with 61 points and they finished seventh back in 1996. There you go. Wow. 
Jesus Navas, as a player, had an absolute torrid time. Yeah. He's now gone two seasons and 76 shots without a Premier League goal. Wow. I mean, that's quite bad, isn't it? And another story, a big retirement of a man who earns £7,000 a week, uh, played for Manchester City, or he didn't actually play for Manchester City. It was Richard Wright who retired from football at the age of 38, having never made a single appearance in four years for Manchester City. He was the forgotten man. He doesn't care. He managed to earn a ridiculous amount of money and can retire with his £7,000 a week he was on in the last season of his football career. He did win two England caps. He did play for Arsenal and Ipswich, uh, but when he perhaps should have at the ripe old age of 38, had a great farewell celebrating his career and his last few seasons as a player, he just kind of walked out the training ground and nobody noticed. Oh. Well, I've got a couple of retirements as well that I think might have gone forgotten. Uh, Nemanja Vidic retired. Yeah. Didn't he? Uh, five Premier League titles, a Champions League medal in 2008, and he retired quietly, I think. I, I, he didn't make much of a fuss, unlike Robert Earnshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Wales International, he penned an emotional letter to the two fans to announce his retirement, but also one which has nothing to do with retirement, but just amused me and might be a story that gets forgotten over time. But we should never forget that uh, Dimitar Berbatov interviewed himself on Facebook. <laughs> One of my standout memories from the year. God. Well, I'm going to go with um, Danny Ings, obviously injured. But did you know that in February, under the radar, probably thankfully under the radar, there was a film made about his comeback from injury? Yes, a filmmaker deemed him so vital that he made this film. I'm going to play you a short excerpt of it because it seems completely bizarre to use an excerpt from Rocky in the video comeback story of Danny Ings. Here you go. And the music continues and you've got this wonderful bit of Danny Ings stretching his hips up, sort of on a par with the Owen Hargreaves recovery video, but a kind of a rapper's version of it. So that went under the radar. Um, check it out. Danny Ings' return from injury video. It's really amusing and quite up itself, really. Uh, Lindsay. <laughs> Do you remember a player for Newcastle called Florian Tauvin? You might remember. Uh, yes, I do. Yes. Tauvin, yeah. Because he turned up in a tuxedo, but left, yes. left by the back door. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do remember that, although I had forgotten it. Thank you very much. Um, he had three Premier League starts after a £12 million move from Marseille. Mm. 13 appearances in total. Yeah, I think that was it now. Newcastle won't do any more business in <laughs> France. Um, he signed a five-year deal with no goal or assist. Five years. Talk about gardening leave. <laughs> uh, sticking with Newcastle, we all remember Faustina Aspria, don't we? But he's taken up a rather bizarre hobby. This went under the radar. He's teaching his horse how to play football. OK, so there's a large inflatable football around the paddock. He's walking the horse around. But quite why Aspria in this little video that I've found, is dressed up as a T-Rex on the back of the horse. <laughs> I have no idea how this went under the radar. I don't know. I'm oh. going to show you a picture now, Lindsay. Just look up Aspria T-Rex horse <laughs> oh, football hilarious. and have a look. It is absolutely ingenious. One thing that might have gone unnoticed because it didn't happen, but quite unusual, it didn't happen. Bafatimbi Gomez for Swansea. He scored at Man City after three and a half months without a goal. Mm. We all know what he's famous for. The mm. Panther celebration. He didn't do it. He didn't <laughs> do the Panther celebration. <laughs> Two little stats that I think have gone under the radar and might be handy when you're picking your fantasy team's 
for next season. Did you know that Tadic has got the third most assists in the Premier League joint with Payet? That went under the radar. I think much has been made about Payet, much has been made about Ericsson and Ozil, not so much about Tadic. Um, so one to note. And the other one is the best shot conversion rates. Second in the list after Callum Wilson from Bournemouth. And I think that's more because when he was fit, he was firing them in. But whether that would have lasted over the course of the season, I don't know. But this is a genuine case for potential top scorer or maybe in the in the next couple of seasons. Iniacho for Manchester City oh, really? had the best shot conversion rate afterwards so I'll leave you with that follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook simply type in the Offside Rule we get in there's only one of us so ladies as we're wrapping up the season it's important to remember the highlights of this season um, Lindsay I know you've got a few things you want to mention here and just to keep it in with the topics of today's podcast I'm going to ask Danny Ings's videographer to provide some background inspiration for these wonderful season facts that you're about to give us you've got to give sweat blood and tears if you want to be great Well, it's been a season that has seen Bayern Munich win a fourth consecutive Bundesliga title. And in homage to Mina Rizuki, who couldn't join us for the final podcast, I do feel like I have to do a bit of a whirlwind roundup of what's been going on in Europe. A record season for the number of La Liga goals. Mm -hmm. Barcelona breaking records. Ronaldo becoming Real Madrid's all-time top goal scorer. And that all in a season which it doesn't matter what happened around Europe because Jamie Vardy broke Ruud van Nistelrooy's goal-scoring consecutive (laughs) games record with 11 consecutive games and Leicester City for the first time in their 132-year history. (laughs) 5,000 to 1 outsiders become Premier League champions. That is what 2015-16 will be remembered for. All right, well, that wraps up another season of the Offside Rule. We get it. We will be around during the Euros, of course, and I'm sure ladies will be going out for a few lunches as well. It's been, yes, it's been a brilliant season. Thanks very much to Mina Rizuki, who's joined us on a lot of the podcasts. And Hayley, as ever... Our star turn, the most <laughs> one of the most informed women in football. Definitely not. Um, and we've enjoyed once again sharing our season yeah. with you. I'm chief blagger. I just about managed to get through anything <laughs> by the skin of my teeth. Like going to pick up my father now to take him to the train station safely. And we'll just get to him just in the nick of time, like everything I do in life. <laughs> We're going to be around next season, of course. Don't forget myself, Hayley and Lindsay, maybe with a slightly different format. We're going to have some transfer dealings, perhaps during brain- the- brainstorming yes. sessions. Yeah. Yes. So you'll hear from us during the Euros, but also next season as well. Um, Hayley, what are you doing during the summer? Absolutely nothing apart from potentially going on holiday. It's not like you to take a holiday, is it? <laughs> only, only the one. I'm going to Turkey for a big five days. Yeah. But five days is, is better than nothing. I am spending a bit of time in Italy in September because I have a couple of weddings. Ooh, so I'm, I'm saving myself for a big September Italy trip. <laughs> Don't forget, you can check us out offsiderulepodcast.com on Twitter at OffsideRulePod and also on Facebook, The Offside Rule. That's us for this season. Podcast 40, signing over and out. The offside rule we get it is brought to you by Continental Tires. Sports Social Podcast Network.